You guys can grab a seat. So a little while back, I met this guy. And one thing that immediately stood out to me about him was the relationship that he had with his girlfriend. Because these, this guy and this girl were inseparable, right? I mean, they weren't that couple that maybe only for a few hours a week, they would get together, grab coffee, and talk about the comeback of the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> Instead, they spent so much time together. I mean, I felt like they were always with one another. In fact, they're this couple, and you guys know what I'm talking about, where you see them so much together that it just feels weird when you see them separate. Like when you see one without the other, it's like some kind of unbalance in the universe, right? As if like you didn't realize this person existed as their own individual person. Right? Like that's what kind of couples, I mean, they were always together. They were always spending time together. So in my mind, in the mind of so many other people who knew them, when it came to them getting married, it wasn't a question of if, but when, right? I mean, it felt like because they were so in love, and because they had been together for so long, I mean, you were just waiting for that moment where he was going to pop that question so that they could start their forever together. And that's the kind of couple they were. So you can imagine how completely shocked I was when one day I found out that they, they broke up. And what, to add to the confusion, it seemed so random and like so out of the blue. Like it's like one minute they're together, they're in love, they're about to get married, and all of a sudden the next minute they're, they're not, they're gone. Relationship over. And so for weeks and weeks, if not months and months, I just was in the dark. I mean, really no idea what happened, just kind of left to guess to figure out what would have taken place to cause this relationship to end so quickly and so abruptly. And so one time I was sitting at my house, and I was on Facebook. So I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I'm looking at my news feed, and all of a sudden, I see a post that this guy makes. A post that completely catches me off guard. Because in this post, he's talking about this baby who he refers to as his kid. And so I'm just like, whoa, 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 hold up, time out, time out. Let me, let me, give, me give me 30. Let me just figure out what's going on right here, you know, I mean, clearly, I must just be reading this wrong. Like, this must just be like a niece or like a cousin's baby or something like that. Like, I must just be misreading this. And so uh, I decided to do a little research. I decided to Facebook stock him because that's what we all do to gain information legally, right, about somebody. And so I started to do a little Facebook stalking. And when I do, I find out that this is, in fact, his kid. But I also find something else out. I find out that the mother of this child is not his previous girlfriend. And based upon when the child was born and when they broke up, it became very evident that all of this happened and went down when he was still dating this girl. And so it just... You know, once the dots finally connected for me, I was just, you know, I, I had to, you know, I was taken back by this. And just really need some time to kind of process through it, right? You know, part of me, you know, felt 
my heart went out to the previous girlfriend. Right? I knew her too. And just think about the pain that she would have experienced because of this. And then the other part of me was just wondering when this started happening and how all this kind of came about. And so I fast forward about a month or so, and I'm shopping at the store. And I'm walking around, and when I am, I see this guy. This guy who I haven't talked to or seen since all of this took place. And he happens to be there with, with his kid. And so I think to myself, okay, this, I need to go talk to him because this is a great opportunity for me to talk to this guy, to kind of see how things have gone, kind of see how things have been. And so I walk over, I say hey to him, and we start talking. Right? He introduces me to his kid. You know, he starts telling me what's been going on in his life. I start to tell him what's been going on in my life. But as we're just sitting there conversing with one another, something strange starts to happen. Because the more he talks, the less I find myself focusing on his voice. Instead, I find myself paying attention to this voice in my head. This voice that is causing me to question what I'm doing. A voice that's causing me to feel uncomfortable about what's happening. A voice that's saying to me, what is that person at your church who knows this situation going to think of you when they find out who you're talking to? Aren't you making this guy believe that you're okay with what he did by what you're doing right now? What if his previous girlfriend hears about this conversation? And that she thinks that you're taking his side on all of this. And so as we're sitting there and this guy is talking to me, I'm hearing this voice. And so eventually we, we wrap up the conversation. I say goodbye and I kind of continue on shopping. But because of this voice in my head, even though I walked into that conversation with such self-confidence, I walked out of it self-conscious. Because it made me feel bad about what I had done. This voice made me feel like having a simple conversation with somebody was something that I was doing that was wrong. And even though now I know how stupid that was, even though now I know how ridiculous that was for me to think that, in that moment, that's how I felt. And in that moment, it was so hard for me not to listen to this voice in my head. And I have a feeling I'm not the only person in this room who's experienced that. Because if I had to guess, you've probably heard this voice too. That vo this voice that criticizes us for being in a certain conversation or that condemns us for talking to a certain person. And a voice that makes us feel bad and makes us feel like we did something that we shouldn't have even when we didn't do anything wrong. And there's a reason that we've all heard this voice. And it's because there's a Pharisee in all of us. 
Because what we're going to see as we walk throughout this series is that this voice that we hear in our head is the same voice of the Pharisees. It has the appearance of being godly. It has the appearance of being good. But instead, it prevents us from living the life that Jesus wants us to live. And because of how we grew up or because of the culture that we're in or because of whatever, we have this voice inside of us. And so my goal and my hope throughout this three-week series is to talk about this voice, to help you to recognize this voice, and then to show us how we need to respond to it in our lives. And so that's what we're going to start off doing tonight. Because what's crazy is when we look at the passage that we're looking at tonight, what you're going to see is how similar the voice of the Pharisee is in comparison to the voice that we hear in our head. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Luke chapter 15 tonight. That's where we're going to be hanging out, is in Luke chapter 15. And so kind of give you an idea of what's happening as we, as we jump into this passage. Jesus is at the point of his ministry where his popularity is absolutely just booming. In fact, he's becoming so popular that certain people that Luke just simply refers to as tax collectors and sinners are gathering around to hear him speak, to gather around to hang out with him. Now, we don't know a whole lot about these people that Luke is talking about, but we do know really two things about them. First of all, these would have been people who had bad reputations in their community. And we also know that none of these people would have been trying to live according to the moral standards that the Jewish rabbis have set during that time. So you could say they're not even trying to live godly lives, just to kind of make that in a short phrase. Right, so they have bad reputations, and they're not even trying to live godly lives. And so, of course, when the Pharisees see this and see all this happening, right, they decide to throw some shade at Jesus and to give him a hard time for what he's doing. And so that's where we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 15. Read this with me, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so notice what the Pharisees are saying here, right? Notice what this voice is saying. Because what we see happening here in this passage is the same thing that happened in my mind at that store. It's the same voice. Because just like that voice was being critical, right? It was criticizing me and it was condemning me. This is what the Pharisees are doing to Jesus. They're criticizing him and they're condemning him for hanging out with these people. They're criticizing him because he welcomes sinners and they're condemning him because he eats with them. And so we see the voice of the Pharisee 2,000 years ago is so similar to the voice of the Pharisee inside of us. Now there is actually a logical explanation for why the Pharisees are saying this to Jesus and why they're acting the way that they are. Because see, during this time, the Pharisees were the religious elite of their culture. I mean, they were the spiritual professionals, if you will. And so they took pride in living honorable lives and living in a certain way that other people wanted to imitate. As you better believe that they were setting the standard of how to live during this time, that they had valid reasons for everything that they did. Whenever a Pharisee did something, they had a valid reason to support what they are doing. For example, they knew 
that by associating with these people and hanging out with these people that Jesus is spending time with, because these people were spiritually dirty, by being around them, you'd become spiritually unclean. And so they knew if you got too close to them, if you spent too much time with them, what that would mean is that you'd have to go through all the steps and all the hassle to be made clean again. So it made complete sense to them to avoid these people, to keep that from happening. And see, it also made complete sense to them not to even go a step further in what Jesus does and to sit with them and to eat with them. Because in the mind of the Pharisee, Scripture was very clear when it came to how the righteous were supposed to interact with sinners. And simply, they weren't. They shouldn't do it. And to prove, quote-unquote, what they believed from Scripture, all you have to do is go to the biggest book in the Old Testament and go to the first chapter and to the very first verse. Listen to what it says. Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And so when you understand this, you can see why in the Pharisees, And their mom, why they were so critical because of what Jesus was doing. Because when it comes to this verse, Jesus wasn't doing it. In their minds, Jesus was going step by step with people who weren't even trying to live godly lives. I mean, he was standing in the way of sinners when he spent time with them. And that when he was eating and sitting with them, he was spending time with people who were mocking God because of how they lived their life. So to the Pharisees, what Jesus was doing here was absolutely disgraceful. Because he was breaking scripture and he was going to the point of ruining his reputation as the man of God. I mean, that's what they saw. That's what they felt like was happening here. And so when you look at this situation from the perspective of a Pharisee, what you see is that their reasoning or their logic for this is actually pretty solid. What they're doing makes complete sense. Because in their minds, there's really two options when it comes to interacting with these people is you can choose distance or disgrace. That's what you had to choose from, distance or disgrace. So you could step away from these people, right? You could put them in a stay away from category because of how they lived their lives, because of how they did stuff. Or you could hang out with them. Or you could spend time with them. And by doing that, you would ruin your reputation by being associated with them. And so when it comes to hanging out with these tax collectors and these sinners, To the Pharisee, this was a no-brainer. Because in order to protect your reputation, in order to avoid disgrace, you needed to distance yourselves from these sinful people. And unfortunately, this voice of the Pharisee is using the same logic and the same words today as it did back then. The voice of the Pharisee is saying the same thing to us 
that it said to Jesus. Because we all have people in our lives that we put in a stay away from category. People who aren't even trying to live their life according to the standards that we live our life by. And so this might be the person who goes out and parties every single weekend. Or the person who's constantly talking about how they get high on Mountain Street. Or even the person that we come across in our lives who chooses to walk one way and act like they do something and say that they're one thing and then choose to be something else. And so really what we see happening is this is anybody that we see in our lives who we feel uncomfortable around because they don't look like us, they don't act like us, and they don't live like us. They're totally different. And so because of that, we feel like, because of who they are, like the Pharisees, we have to distance ourselves from them. And we have to distance ourselves from them in order to protect our witness or in order to preserve our reputation. And so we find ourselves being in the same mindset of the Pharisees. And so sure, we'll, we'll say hey to these people. If we see them in the hallway, we'll say, hey, right, TMB, we'll say, hey, we'll like a post on Instagram when we see them. As long as we keep our distance, we're okay. But whenever we find ourselves getting a little bit close, whenever we find ourselves spending a little bit too much time around them, the same way I did with that guy at the store, then we start to feel a little bit uneasy. And then we start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And it's then that this voice starts to speak to us. And it says, ooh, watch out now. You don't want to hurt your witness. You don't want to ruin your reputation. So take a step back. Keep a distance, right? You don't want people to think that you're approving of it, that you're okay with what they're doing by hanging out with them. So take a step away and keep a distance. And so the mindset that we have is that in order to protect our witness, in order to preserve our reputation, we have two options. We have to choose between distance or disgrace. And what makes this voice so scary is that it's logically, it logically makes sense. It's the reasonable thing for us to do in the moment. That's what it feels like. Because like the Pharisees, we might use scripture to back it up. We might say, well, bad company corrupts good morals, so I don't need to be around them. Or we remember something that we grew up in church learning. Right? It's easier to drag somebody down than it is to pull them up. And so because of that, we feel like we have to distance ourselves from them. And logically, that seems like the best thing to do. So what we end up doing is rationalizing it and justifying how we treat them. Because the voice of a Pharisee sounds like the voice of reason. The voice of the Pharisee sounds like a voice of reason. Logically, it makes sense. We have reasons for why we're not doing that. We have reasons for distancing ourselves. We have reasons for not going in that direction and spending time with them. And so we justify it. Because the voice of a Pharisee sounds like the voice of reason. And so like the Pharisees in Jesus' time, we feel like that we have to choose distance or otherwise we can't avoid disgrace. 
But as the Pharisees are sitting there thinking that Jesus is ruining his reputation by hanging out with these people who they've categorized as stay away from, when they think that he is choosing disgrace instead of distance, Jesus chooses to respond to them. And he does so by telling them a parable, a short story to show them his reason for why he's hanging out with them and why he's doing what he's doing. So look at me at Luke 15, starting with verse three. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now this is an amazing parable, right? This is the parable that we talk about a lot and that we sing about a lot, and we should. Because the reason this is such a popular parable is because of what the shepherd does because this one sheep walks away, right? Because when this one sheep gets lost, he is willing to leave 99 other sheep in the open country in order to pursue it. And then when he finds it, right, he doesn't just reluctantly pick it up and complain as he walks back home that he's wasted his time finding it. No, instead he is thrilled. He is thrilled when he finds it, right? With joy in his heart and a smile on his face, he picks it up, puts it on his shoulders, and he walks home. And he's so excited, even when he gets home, that he decides to throw a party and to celebrate with his friends and neighbors. Because this one sheep that was gone has been found. And now he can sing and rejoice in that. And so when I look at this story and I read it, there's really one reason, one good reason that I can think of, and only one, for why the shepherd would do this. And it's because he has a deep love for the sheep. I mean, he loves the sheep the way that some of you love a dog or love a cat or love a pet, right? This isn't just some random sheep to him. This sheep means a lot. And because he loves it so much, he's willing to leave the other 99 in order to pursue it and find it. And because this sheep means so much to him, he's willing to throw a party and spend money and to celebrate because it's been found. I mean, that's what this sheep means to him. That is how much he loves it. And so Jesus tells this parable and he makes this point. He then does a beautiful job of taking this and connecting this to those people sitting around him. Those tax collectors and their sinners who the Pharisees had put in the stay away from category to make an unforgettable point. Because look at what verse seven says. It says, I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who do not need repentance. What Jesus is saying here is absolutely amazing because this is basically what he's saying to the Pharisees. Just as that shepherd rejoiced because that one lost sheep came home because he loved it so much. Heaven rejoices 
over one lost sinner coming to me because I love them so much. That's how I feel about these people that make you feel uncomfortable. You guys don't get it. You guys are thinking that I'm ruining my reputation. But what you don't realize is I don't care. Because I love these people so much, I wanna reach them. Because I love these people so much, I'm waiting for that day when heaven will shake and thunder with cheers and applause when these people turn away from their sin and they choose to come to me. That's what Jesus is conveying to the Pharisees with this story. And so what he is using this parable to explain and what we see is that Jesus isn't looking at hanging out with his people as choosing distance over disgrace, right? He's not working in those categories. Instead, Jesus is choosing reach over reputation. He is choosing to ruin his reputation in the eyes of the Pharisees. He's willing to look bad in front of those religious people because of how much he cares about these people who don't know him. And because of his love for them and because of his desperate desire to reach them, he's willing to do it even if it means he looks bad in their eyes. And so unlike the Pharisees, Jesus in this moment is choosing reach over reputation. And what Jesus is doing here is the same thing that we're called to do. We're called to choose reach over reputation. We're called to care more about somebody's relationship with God than our reputation with other believers. We're called to care more about somebody's eternity than how other people are gonna think about us here on earth. And for us to do this, and for us to make this step, we have to remember what Jesus does here. We have to remember that the voice of God ignores the voice of reason. Because that's exactly what Jesus is doing. Right? He's not paying attention to what the Pharisees are saying. He's not listening to what's going on in their world, right? Because again, he's working at a whole different level. And so he's ignoring this voice of reason, right? That seems logical, that seems like it makes sense, that seems like it's the right thing to do, right? That seems like it's the godly decision, right? That seems like it's something that we should do based upon what we think. And he's listening to the voice of his father that says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And so go after them and find them. Pursue them and love them. And bring them home. And that's what we need to do too. Like Jesus, we need to listen to the voice of God as we ignore this voice of reason in our lives. And unfortunately in that store, that's not what I did. And I should have been focusing on loving this guy. I should have treated this guy the way that I'm sure so many people didn't treat him after all of this went down in his life. I should have focused on him and not myself. I shouldn't have chose 
or lived in this category where I had to choose between distance or disgrace, right? I should have ignored the voice of reason and instead I should have listened to the voice of God. That says talk to him, love him, spend time with him. So don't make the mistake I did. And remember that the voice of God ignores the voice of reason. So here's my challenge for us as we wrap up. My challenge for you this week is to ignore the voice of reason. To ignore the voice of the Pharisee inside of you. Because here's the thing about the voice of reason. The voice of reason is always me-centered. Right? The voice of reason focuses on your reputation. It focuses on what other people think about you. Right? It focuses on you. But see, the voice of God doesn't. The voice of God in our life is always other people-centered. And it's saying love them, spend time with them, grab coffee with them, invite them over to your house, right? Focus on them. Don't focus on yourself. Show them Jesus. Treat them the way that nobody else is treating them. And then long for that day. Long and pray for that day that you can rejoice with heaven because they chose to give their life to Jesus. But love them. Choose reach over reputation. And what we'll discover in our lives when we do this, we'll discover that as we ignore this voice of reason, that's when we start looking more like Jesus. Let me straight up with you guys. This is hard. If you're like me, this is so hard to do, to ignore this voice of the Pharisee in your life. And really, I would argue it's impossible for us to do on our own. We need help. And so let's ask for it. Let's ask God to change us so that we can ignore this voice in our lives and that we can look more like Jesus. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna spend some time praying and then we're gonna spend some time singing. And what I want you to do during this time is just to ask God to change your heart. And then we're gonna sing a song and I love the bridge of the song. I love it so much because what it says is Lord, Change me only the way that you can. My heart is in your hands. Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. And that's our crowd tonight. Our crowd tonight is to ignore the voice of reason and to choose to be more like Jesus, who's willing to go and pursue and to find people regardless of what the people in his day were gonna think of him. So let's ask God to do that to us tonight. I'm gonna start us off in a prayer. We're gonna take some time to pray. And then the band is gonna sing for us. And then when you're ready, then you can stand and worship with them. But let me start us off and then you spend some time asking God to change your heart to look more like Jesus. Father, thank you for the voice of God in our lives that we can listen to over the voice of the Pharisee. And so my prayer, God, and my hope is that you will listen to our prayers right now. 
that you would hear us as we cry out to you. And that, Father, you would make us look more like Jesus. So listen to our prayers right here and right now.